The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, it's a new year. Have you made resolutions for a new you? That's often what people do this time of the year. They recognize that maybe they need to make some changes, some improvements in their life, whether it be with health or finances, relationship, or just overall attitude. In fact, you will see commercials on TV that foster that idea and promise a new you if you just follow their steps. But have you ever wondered why we go through that every year at this time? Why do we have to make those resolutions to bring about those changes? Because the old you always seems to come back, even though we've tried to bring about a new you. Well, that's true not only for things like our health and finances and such, but it's also true spiritually. We want a new you, but yet we find that old you just keeps coming back. So what do you do? Just give up? Surrender to it? There's good news. God tells us that there is a new you in Christ. Let's listen to the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 12 as he tells us about this new you in Christ. Therefore, he writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. While we recognize the struggles in life, the improvements that need to be made, and that's why we make those resolutions. But God has a wonderful declaration for us already. He tells us that the old is gone. Out with the old, he tells us. How can that be? <laughs> you look at your life and you see the struggles and the problems and the failures. Paul gives us a key phrase for us to consider this morning. He said, in view of God's mercies... In other words, he's telling us, look at what God has done for you. And you will see that it's out with the old. Now, Paul started this section of his letter with an important word. Therefore. And some of you have heard me say this before in Bible classes. Whenever you read the word therefore, ask yourself, what is it there for? Why is it there? It's bringing whatever points were said before to their next step. In other words, it's getting us to look back. So let's take a look back at a few important things that Paul said before he got to this passage today. But all with this in mind, in view of God's mercies. That word, therefore, was so important to the Apostle Paul, he uses it several times in this letter. And we're going to take a look at those times to see what are his main points about God's mercy. 
So we turn back a few chapters and Paul says this. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. He's painting a pretty desperate picture, isn't he? He's telling us that nobody is right with God. Therefore, he says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. In other words, when we look at our life and we see our failures, our natural reaction is, I can do better. I'm going to try harder. But the point is, no matter how hard we try, we still fail. There is still a sin nature that lives in us. And that acts out. And so by nature and by our actions, we recognize we are not right with God. But in view of God's mercies, look at what he changes. But now, apart from the law, so not by what you do, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify, to which the Old Testament was pointing us, in other words. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can look at our life and we see our failures. We also see the troubles and the things we suffer in life. But it's not because God is punishing us. We are at peace with God. God has declared us right with Him. So he writes, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His point is, we are right with God. Even though we have failed, Jesus did not. Because of his perfect life, his righteousness. And by faith in him, by trusting in him, we are now right with God. Jesus took the penalty for our sins away from us when he died on the cross. And so we are right with God. In view of God's mercies, the old is out. Therefore, he writes, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. So now he's telling us there needs to be a change. We don't have an obligation now to that sinful nature. We can say no to it. We don't have to live according to the flesh. Out with the old. That's what Paul was saying. In view of those mercies of God, look at the change that he has brought to your life. But he gives us a warning. He wants us to know that we still have to be on the lookout for what the world will do to you. Listen to what he said again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, what is he talking about? That word conform is an interesting word. 
It was a word that was used to describe the making of coins. And, and here's a little illustration of how they did that. They would, would take that piece of metal and they would soften it up in the furnace and then put it in a mold and put the, the other part of the mold on top and then hit it with a hammer so the image would get on that coin. Now, now you know that with coins you want them all to look alike so you know they're authentic. Well, Paul is telling us that the world tries to put pressure on us to get us to conform to its pattern. Let me show you how easily we follow the pattern of this world. Uh, with some innocent things, first of all. Let me show you clothing styles. Do you dress and look like that? Do you look like George and Martha Washington now in your dress and, and hairstyles? No. Why? Because styles have changed. And so we let the world conform us to the new style. How about making a phone call? Do you use one of these? <laughs> I doubt it. We all have the little handheld devices now, right? We conform to the pattern of the world. Or you want to take a family trip? Load everybody up in the wagon. A Dodge Caravan is what we have, <laughs> not the covered wagon. So it's real easy for us to follow the pattern of the world. Now, there's nothing wrong with these examples. I'm just trying to show you how easily we can be influenced by what the world shows us. But what Paul is talking about is how the world conforms us in regard to our mind and our morals. That's what he says to watch out for. The world puts pressure on us to think its way to disregard the thoughts and ways of God and rather follow what you want to do, what others are doing. Don't worry about that stuff called sin. Don't let anybody tell you you can't live that way. It's your right to live however you want. Our morals, our behavior is easily influenced and our thoughts by the pattern of this world. And Paul is telling us Watch out for that. Because there's a danger then when we form or conform to the pattern of this world. We're no longer following the pattern of God. We start to move away from God. And whether it's just taking little steps or big steps, whether it's just drifting or outright rebelliousness, conforming to the pattern of this world is dangerous because it moves us away from God. And so we need to be alert to that because that's a real and present danger. We can see it around us. Perhaps we also see it in us. Oh, now we might say, but you know what? I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm very dedicated to God. I'm strong in my faith. I'm smart about what God says. And my advice to you is don't be fooled. Because we cannot overcome that by ourselves. You want some proof? Have you perfectly obeyed the commandments? How many have you broken just today? What about the commitment you've made to God to be faithful to Him in worship and prayer and reading the Word? What about that confirmation vow you took years ago? Have you been faithful to it? 
You see, the Apostle Paul understands how weak our sinful nature can be because he had one too. So when he says, I urge you, that was a word he used that was taken from the military's language. It meant, get ready for a fight. But it was also a word that was used to describe the Holy Spirit because he's telling us we can't do it on our own. We need God's help. And God gives us that help, his spirit. He would go on and write this. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. God who is faithful. God who always has those open arms of love and forgiveness for us and will always receive us back and strengthen us and encourage us. It's in Christ that we are out with the old. Now we might wonder, how, how does that happen to us? Paul explained that earlier in Romans when he said, our sin nature has been put to death with Christ's crucifixion and buried with him through our baptism. Listen to what he said. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Our baptism. That's where we can go and find the strength and the change that we need through the working of God's Spirit. You maybe remember these words from Luther's Catechism. It reminds us of the daily importance of our baptism. Would you do this please with me? Let's say these words together. Baptism means that the sinful nature in us should be drowned by daily sorrow and repentance, and that all its evil deeds and desires be put to death. It also means that a new person should daily arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. What St. Paul and Martin Luther were saying is simply this. It's because of God's mercy. In Christ, it's out with the old and in with the new. There is a new you because of God's working and mercy. Listen how he tells us about it. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. There he's telling us, what he does inside of us through his spirit. Be transformed. He's telling us that it's something that happens to us, not something we can do. It's something God's spirit does to us. Transformation. Now, that word transform in Paul's Greek language is the word metamorphosis. You remember that from your grade school science days when that caterpillar would change into a beautiful butterfly. They call that metamorphosis. It's a change that happens from the inside and shows on the outside. 
That's what God says he is working in you through his spirit. A change from the inside out. The form of that word also indicates that it should be an ongoing, continual process. And so it will be. Through the working of God's spirit, as we stay connected with God through word and through sacrament, God's spirit will bring about that change in us. He also says we'll see the change in another way. Through the renewing of our mind, the Spirit will regenerate, renew, or perhaps you would like the word, reprogram how you think and what you desire and what you do so that it will be in line with God's will. There is a new you through God's Spirit working in you. And now he tells us, look, Look at what you can do because of that change. He said, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. With God's Spirit working in you, now you can offer yourself, he said, as a living sacrifice. The picture he's using here reminds us of the Old Testament worship system where they took animals and sacrificed them to the Lord. Now, in this case, what he's referring to was not a sacrifice that was being made for sins. Because, in view of God's mercy, our sins have been taken away through the death of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice he's referring to, it was one of dedication, where they would take a a cow or a bull and kill it and and put it on the altar there in the temple area, and the whole thing would be burned up. It was a symbol, a way for them to say, my whole life, Lord, is going to be given to you. You see, God isn't interested in a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants our lives to be lived out of a heart of gratitude for all that he has done. Paul said, that is your true and proper worship. The word he used in the Greek was logikos, from which we get our English word logical. That's the next appropriate step. That's what makes sense. No longer to live our life under the old master of sin, we've been redeemed and freed from that. So it makes sense now to live our life under our new master to live according to God's perfect will. To put feet to our faith, to let our beliefs guide our behavior. That's how we will thank and praise and honor God. Now, here's another thing we can do then. He said, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Put God to the test. Do you remember an old TV commercial where it said, try it, you like it? That's what he's telling us to do. Try God's will, because God's will is good. God's will is pleasing, acceptable to him. God's will is perfect, meaning it will accomplish the goal that he has set for us. So often in regard to God's will, We often think, well, what does God want to have happen to me right now? 
what is it in regard to my health? Or what kind of job does he want me to have? Or where does he want me to go to school? Or, or who does he want me to marry? My daughter, wherever you are, don't think about that yet. But those little details that are important to us aren't what he's talking about here. He's talking about his will, his desire to give us eternal life in Jesus. He's talking about his will for us to live according to his commandments. When you look at God's will and hold on to those things and desire to walk in those things, then things about school and job and marriage will all fall in place. God's will is perfect. To bring us to that goal of eternal life. Try it. You'll like it. So, a new year. You want a new you? Let it start with this. A view of God's mercies. What he has done for you in Christ. And then, let his spirit work inside of you to change you, to make your life a living sacrifice. What will that look like? Just look at those magi that we heard about a little bit earlier. What did they do? First of all, they humbled themselves before God. They put God first, and they fell before a baby whom they considered to be their king and their savior. And honor God above all else. We can do that as we serve him with our gifts, with our time, with our efforts. We can do that individually, and we can do it together as a congregation. That's the living sacrifice. It's not about some resolution that we can make because it'll fail. But it's all because of God's mercy and his spirit working in us. There is a new you in Christ. Live in it and enjoy it. Amen.